Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got ground. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry County Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Goes it Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report. It is a black and gold Friday. We've made it to the end of the work week. Congratulations. Um, somebody told me the other day that there was a cool front coming. <laughs> really? I looked at the weather forecast. If 89 is the cool front from where we've been this week, uh, you can have it. Although it's going to be a wet weekend here in New Orleans, the weather's going to be great in Cleveland, and hopefully the Saints will get back on track and even their slate at 1-1. One and one. And we'll, of course, have full coverage on NewOrleansSaints.com. But in the meantime, this is the Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. And we'll talk about both teams today here from Studio B at the headquarters on Airline Drive. I'm Sean Kelly. Glad you're with us. We've got a great show for you on this Friday. As we mentioned, we will talk some basketball today, and Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com is to stop by and talk about yesterday's media availability over at the Pelicans practice facility and also help us wrap up the FIBA World Cup play uh, as far as things leading up to the championship game, which is now on Sunday afternoon. And Anthony Davis, Monty Williams, and Team USA are all set to go. They should probably wrap all that up on Sunday. I don't think anything is in their way as far as finishing this thing off. And now that Spain is lost, um, they did so in the quarterfinal round. And so um, we'll talk to Jim more about that. I don't want to over-talk that here in the opening segment. We'll talk more about that with Jim in just a moment. And, of course, we'll be gearing up for Saints and Browns this weekend here on the Black and Blue Report. We've got a great guest for you here on this Friday to help us do that and also help us look forward to the entire NFL weekend. It's been a while, but Jim Corbett from USA Today, their National uh, National Football League uh, national beat writer, is with us today, and we'll get a good breakdown from him about last night's football game, the rest of the weekend, and uh, Saints and Browns this weekend. Speaking of last night, whoa, Baltimore, hello, focused, I guess. They uh, did a number on Pittsburgh, and uh, Baltimore has gotten themselves in good shape now, and Pittsburgh may have some concerns. We'll talk uh, about the Steelers, whom the uh, Saints will play later on this season with Jim Corbett as he was uh, keyed in on that game last night. And then in the locker room today, we're going to visit with Kenny Stills, the uh, wide receiver from Oklahoma. Stills uh, may be very, very close to getting back on the game field for the Saints, possibly early as this weekend. We'll see. Kenny seems to be uh, confident in where he is with his rehabilitation from the quadricep injury. 
and uh, where things stand with him now as he enters his second year with the black and gold. We're going to go off the page just a little bit. Uh, we, you know, Our original lineup today when we were planning the show was Jim Corbin, and then Kenny Stills popped in, and then Jim Eichenhofer. Uh, we're going to add in uh, Benjamin Watson today, the Saints tight end. We uh, actually kind of, I don't want to say we stumbled on him in the Saints locker room yesterday, but the, the chance arose to speak with him, and I really enjoy speaking with Benjamin Watson. So uh, before we kind of get into the scheduled interviews for today, let's uh, let's listen in a little bit to uh, the conversation I had with Benjamin Watson yesterday, and also in there is uh, ESPN.com's uh, Mike Triplett. He's also in that media scrum asking Benjamin some questions. Certainly the line of question I had for him was was in regards to his time in Cleveland. Now, you know, as we get set to go play the Browns, you start to look for connections. Like, for example, the last time these two teams played, the defensive coordinator for the Browns was Rob Ryan, and the Browns won that game. There are some other connections. Um, perhaps you remember 06. Sean Payton's first win as a head coach was against Cleveland at the stadium we will play in this weekend. Um, but for Ben Watson, it was a significant chunk of his career uh, and where his family was and their rearing of their children that Cleveland proved to be a special place for him. So we talked to Benjamin Watson yesterday about his time in Cleveland and tried to learn a little more about Cleveland, a team that we don't normally travel to. Thoughts on going back to Cleveland, any? Um, looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, two teams who are struggling for a win so far, uh, both on one. So we're looking forward to going up there and, and getting a win. And personally, um, had a great time while I was there in Cleveland, obviously, and um, have a lot of respect for uh, the people there, the fans there, as well as the players. What's, what's unique about football in that part of the country? Well, that's um, where football was born. Yeah. You know, the Hall of Fame is there. Um, there's great pride in football. It's, uh, in the AFC North is a very tough division, um, very physical football. And, and that's how they play it. That's how the people are there. They're hardworking people, and um, really, in the same way as New Orleans, really, really, um, you know, gravitate toward the team and, and kind of adopt the team as their own sons. The dog pound. Do uh, you think they'll have kind things to say to you? Are you going to be welcome back, or is that uh, you know persona non grata? Yeah. I don't think I'm that big a deal, honestly. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, this is something that every everywhere we go, there's guys that have played on on teams and have left, and and I'm no different. You know, I I was there for a short three years. Um, you know, it's not like like I was there for for um, a decade or whatever. But um, hopefully, uh, there'll be a couple people I can say hello to. But um, uh, not, not not too worried about that. Do you think, having having played there, do you think there are unique challenges to vis- visiting teams there, something that you all will have to encounter this weekend? Well, um, hopefully not during this time of year. <laughs> um, definitely later in the year uh, there in Cleveland, you get the wind coming off the uh, Lake Erie, and, and the weather there is, is uh, something that you definitely have to get used to. Um, hopefully we'll have a beautiful day for football, especially coming from uh, New Orleans. Hopefully uh, there's nothing we have to deal with as far as that goes. Um, obviously crowd noise is going to be an issue, uh, which it always is wherever you go on the road. Um, what about style of team? Uh, just like any other AFC North team, they'll, they'll try to throw your offense out of rhythm with just well, what physical style. Or that's what that's the style. The style. Um, you know, the AFC North prides itself on being a very physical division, and that's what they are. Um, when you look at the defenses they have there, particularly with Cleveland, always had a good defense. Um, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, go to Baltimore, all the way down the line. Those teams yeah. pride themselves on being able to run the football as well as play good defense. Um, especially when you get later in the year um, in that division, that's something that um, you have to be able to do if you want to be successful. So um, that's something that we're going to have to face, and it's something that uh, you face in other divisions too. I mean, it's pro ball. Everybody's on scholarship. Everybody's good. Uh, so we, we have a good plan put together, and we'll go up there and try to execute it. What, what specific challenge with this defense and the players they have well, stands out most? One of the things um, 
is that it's a new, a new defensive coordinator, a new, new head coach. Um, it's a new staff. Anytime you go from with a new staff, you're not quite sure what you're going to get, how they're going to play you. Obviously, they came from Buffalo, who we played last year. So it's been good for us to be able to at least have some familiarity with uh, the style of defense that they play. But these are players that we're not used to playing against. Um, it's not guys that are in the, you know, the NFC South that we see twice a year. So uh, there'll be some time to adjust to that. But that's why you have film study. That's how you prepare that way. And also, um, can you give me a scouting report on Joe Thomas. He obviously linemen don't always get right, but he <laughs> yeah, seems don't. to be universally appreciated yeah. as a. As he is. Great. He kind of came in that way. He, yeah. You know, he came in from the get go as a, as a very high pick uh, to the Browns and um, has played at an excellent level since he's been there. Um, we always joke that, hey, Joe, you're you're walking right down the road to the Hall of Fame, and uh, he very may, well well may be, considering it's his sixth or seventh year, I think, and and uh, he's been to the Pro Bowl, I think, every year. So um, he's a guy that uh, prepares very well. Um, he's very technically sound, and the thing with Joe is is you watch him and he does everything the same yeah. all the time. He gets in the stance the same way. He blocks guys the same way, and they just can't seem to get off the block. So um, it's going to be a challenge for, for our guys. We've got some good guys on the edge rushing as well. All right, so with that, we'll uh, now head into our scheduled interviews, and we'll start that off with Jim Corbett from USA Today here on the Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report right after this. Gatorade knows every victory starts from within. It's the determination to come up big when it matters most. But no athlete does it alone. They need training and fuel to perform. That's how greatness comes from within. Win from within. Game on with NFL Ticket Exchange, the only official ticket exchange of the NFL, where 100% of tickets are verified by Ticketmaster. Buy and sell the NFL-approved way. Visit NFLTicketExchange.com. Together, we make football. Stay up to date on the latest breaking New Orleans Saints news by downloading the team's official app presented by Verizon. Check out the 2014 schedule, league standings, and statistics. Plus, have access to watch live press conferences with Coach John Payton and players while reliving your favorite Saints moments. The Saints app makes the perfect game day companion with a detailed map of the Mercedes-Benz Superdome highlighting the facility's amenities. The free New Orleans Saints app presented by Verizon is available to download on iTunes and Google Play. We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report. Back here in Studio B for the Black and Blue Report. We fully get underway now on the Friday edition with our good friend Jim Corbett, National Football League writer for USA Today. Jim, greetings. Long time no talk to. Good to, good to catch up with you, Sean. No doubt. Uh, of course, we saw Jim up at the Greenbrier when the Saints were training in West Virginia. Uh, hey, Jim, it would be really easy for me to just start you off by asking you to comment or give us your take on Ray Rice, Roger Goodell, and all of it. But frankly, I'm a little worn out, and I don't mean that to be flip or disrespectful in any way. I'd love to just talk football with you, if that's okay. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Yeah, let's start with last night. And I, you know, even though we're going to talk about the team that's kind of in, in the middle of the circle here, the Ravens, uh, they were the ones that kicked off the weekend. Uh, with their game against the Steelers last night. Um, I, I thought it would be a closer game than what we saw last night in Baltimore. Were you surprised that the Ravens dominated as such? I was. Um, I saw the Steelers last week and uh, against Cleveland, and I was, you know, was very impressed by the way uh, they jumped out early with a lot of big plays. Ben Roethlisberger uh, looked really comfortable in the no-huddle. Uh, that he ran to perfection, and uh, Antonio Brown had a big game, and Marcus Wheaton stood up as a number two replacement for Emmanuel Sanders, who they let go to Denver. Uh, Le'Veon Bell really jumped out at me. Um, I think he had 180 total yards uh, 
you know, 27 touches, I believe it was, but it's just dynamic lateral quickness. He's lost some weight and uh, obviously had the wake-up call with the marijuana party that uh, he and uh, uh, Garrett Blunt had on the way to the preseason game. Uh, so they've been scared straight, so to speak. Um, but, you know, I, I just they've been out of rhythm since uh, the second half against um, – Brian Hoyer when he came on with the Browns and just their inabilities to sustain drives. Um, I, I fault mainly a new defense that, uh, not a new defense in terms of scheme, but four new starters, uh, including uh, the dynamic rookie Ryan Shazier, who looked lost out there last night. And um, Lawrence Timmons is having cramping problems. And uh, they just, you know, uh, I didn't see Cortez Allen play well. Um, the guy who did jump out was Ike Taylor, who's the veteran guy who's supposed to have slowed down. So they're having issues on both sides of the ball, but it's been six quarters now or seven quarters that uh, they've gone without a touchdown. And, uh, you know, I think what we saw on the flip side is Joe Flacco really settling in. Um, as Phil Simms said several times last night, he's just so relaxed throwing the ball. He didn't look that way in week one. In fact, he, you know, called himself out for a stupid play uh, at the end of the half when he should have, uh, you know, just – um, you know, gone for it, and, and the idea was um, I thought he really settled into Gary Kubiak's offense. Uh, it's the bootlegs that suit uh, Joe, who's underrated athletically, really throws well on the run, and obviously we saw former Texan Owen Daniels show up twice with touchdowns. And, uh, you know, everybody wondered at the Ray Rice effect, and I think in a way it galvanized these guys. They focused. They had a short week, and um, inside that locker room, um, most of the guys said the same thing. We'll remain brothers to Ray. We'll support him and Janae. But, um, you know, we're, we're you know fighting to, um, you know, I think them in Cincinnati is going to come down to those two teams. And I think right now, if you looked at it, Baltimore is the better team uh, overall. I, I like the way they played on defense as well. Yeah, point taken there, Jim, on the Ravens. Uh, back to the Steelers for a moment. You kind of walked me down the path to my next question, and that is this. After barely escaping Cleveland last week, and then what we saw last night, I know Saints fans are curious about the Steelers because they are on the schedule later on the season. Um, should the Steelers, or maybe their fans at this point, uh, have some worry? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely uh, concerning that an offense I thought was going to be better with Mike Munchak there. Their offensive line has never looked more cohesive. Uh, obviously, the center, Marquise Pouncey, was gone last year after – uh, injuring himself, ironically, in week one against Tennessee, uh, coached then by Mike Munchak, who is the Hall of Fame guard, who is now their offensive line coach. So that was a huge, that was their biggest free agent pickup in the offseason, and he stabilized that line, and I thought they'd be able to continue to punch holes. And you see the dynamic running of um, Bell, and you saw it again last night. He was more contained this time because they lost a second option, and they lost the guy who they were hoping to have uh, as a scat-back wrinkle in uh, rookie Dre Archer with 4-2-6 speed. He's really dynamic. Uh, ben trusts him and getting the ball out in space quick, a lot like a Sproles. Uh, so he's out with an ankle and a, a knee, I believe it is, for at least a couple of weeks. But that would be one thing that would give them a boost when he returns. Um, you know, they just are having problems sustaining their third receiver right now. Uh, the slot receiver, uh, Justin Brown, had a couple of drops. And um, I think they're fixable problems, but uh, there is reason for concern if they don't get those fixed. Jim Corbett from USA Today here with us on the program. Uh, Jim will be in Cleveland this weekend covering Saints and Browns. And, Jim, I'll ask you about that game in a moment, but let me just step back for a second and let's look at the weekend as a chunk here. Um, what games, I guess, stick out to you most? What intrigues you about Week 2 in the NFL? 
Yeah, well, I'd like to see Atlanta against, uh, you know, Gina, Giovanni Bernard. Um, I think, you know, they showed uh, difficulties uh, despite Matt Ryan having, you know, a wicked um, beginning, scorching uh, the Saints, um, you know, looking like an MVP-type caliber quarterback. Um, the one Achilles heel to me was, you know, basically how the Falcons gave up. Um, I think it was 139 rushing yards, three touchdowns. Yeah, Mark Ingram had two and three rushing touchdowns. So can they stop the Bengals? And Hugh Jackson had told me uh, previously, Bernard, the kid from North Carolina, who they took in the second round last year, reminds him of a poor man's Barry Sanders with that dynamic lateral quickness and his ability to jump cut and do all that kind of good stuff. So um, he's the guy who kind of makes that offense go, their biggest playmaker not named A.J. Green and he's the guy that uh, gives Andy Dalton, you know, a comfort level and you know short screens, all that kind of stuff that he can take it to the house. So, uh, you know, that one certainly intrigues me. Um, you know how Denver does, I think, against a banged up Chiefs uh, run defense, losing Derek Johnson and um, Mike DeVito, uh, their interior run stuffer, uh, to injuries. Uh, Derek for the year with the torn Achilles. And I, I'm really intrigued to see, you know, Seattle's a different team on the road. As dynamic as they looked uh, in week one, Legion of Boom shutting down, you know, making them left-handed. Uh, Aaron Rodgers didn't go Richard Sherman's way. I think Philip Rivers is that, he, he's kind of that Richard Sherman of quarterbacks. He loves to get guys' faces, talk, and he's the definition of a gunslinger. So I don't think he's going to back away and play 10-on-10 football. He's going at Sherman, and that should be fun because they've got some weapons in Keenan Allen and Malcolm Floyd, Eddie Royal. Uh, the two tight ends, uh, and Antonio Gates has slowed down a little bit, but Ladarius Green is coming on. So um, there's a lot of weapons there. They're playing at home, and if they can get Ryan Matthews going, I think Phillips going to have to throw uh, lanes open early with the quick rhythm passing game. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Super Bowl champions are on the road. I think I'm with you on, on a lot of those games, and, and, and I guess my follow-up question, and again, Saints and Browns aside, because we'll get to that in a moment, Jim, is there, is there a team in your eyes that maybe didn't get off to the start they wanted to last week that redeems themselves this week or is better set up to kind of even the, even the keel a little bit? Yeah, you know, I think Green Bay. I mean, <clears throat> I looked at what happened there, and, you know, I, I just think they're better than that. I know they're banged up on the offensive line, but um, we didn't see the best of Aaron Rodgers by far. And obviously Jared Boykin was erased from that equation by Sherman and just the way they chose to attack uh, Seattle. So, uh, I know Eddie Lacy has been cleared from his concussion, and um, you know they're going against uh, the Jets, I believe. So, you know, I just expect a much better showing against those guys, and especially uh, the quarterback D. Milner coming off a high ankle sprain. He's going to be at least gimpy, and uh, you know I think they had a safety playing corner last week. So, um, you know, I know the Jets got off to a Week One win against Oakland, but that was Oakland with a rookie quarter quarterback in Derek Carr. The other team, I think the Eagles, you know, eventually came out of it, but Nick Foles started uh, shakily, uh, one interception, two fumbles. Their defense got beat by an undrafted rookie receiver in Allen Hearns for two touchdowns early. We're down 17 nothing. Now they face a different animal in, in Andrew Luck and his receivers, T.Y. Hilton, Reggie Wayne, and Hakeem Nicks. Um, it's just a different level. So that defense that seemed to reclaim themselves in the second half is going to be really tested. Uh, that's the Monday night game, and I'm really interested to see that. And, you know, there's a lot of pressure on Jay Cutler. Uh, he did not look good, and now he's going against the San Francisco uh, team. I think their defense, their secondary is a question mark, so he may have some options, uh, some openings, and a chance to redeem himself. But he certainly has to get off the mat for those guys to be in contention because Detroit, to me, is real. And uh, I was up there 
um, the, the the offense, the Saints' offense, obviously that uh, Joe Lombardi has bought there. Uh, he told me he goes, man, this number eighty-one. When I came here, he goes, I didn't know a guy like that existed, and he, he's better than anything I ever believed. Yeah, crazy stuff there. Of course, we're rooting for Joe in some way, uh, sort of. <laughs> at this, yeah. Point. Well, he's, he's an extension of Sean Payton yeah, and his tree, and um, you know, is bringing a really doing a great job with Matt Stafford right now. You saw the difference in Matthew. Uh, he played tight, uh, not not in the sense of uptight, but, uh, you know, his mechanics were tight, his footwork and everything I've been seeing that Joe's been coaching him on uh, showed up in that game. Jim Corbett from USA Today with us. Hey, Jim, we've heard, you know, plenty from the Saints coaches and players and all that about their thoughts regarding Cleveland this week. We've heard from uh, folks in Cleveland that cover the Browns on a local level. So I'm curious to get your thoughts as a national beat writer what your take is on the Browns, what I should have in my mind as I travel to First Energy Field this weekend, and, and you having seen them last week probably better than I have. Um, what is it about the Browns that in, makes, them, uh, makes them go and, and what makes them, I guess, a matchup problem or not for the Saints this weekend? Yeah, well, if there's a third twin to the Ryan brothers, it would be Mike Pettin. He was with Rex Ryan for many years in Baltimore and then with the Jets and then, you know, went out on his own and, and had 57 sacks last year with Buffalo, 24 interceptions and a really good, um, you know, opposing uh, quarterback uh, rating, um, one of the best in the league last year. So um, he's bringing that multiple, you know, defense, that uh, bare front and, you know, just mix and match. And uh, they didn't get off to the start they wanted, uh, giving up 30 points to the Steelers. And that was supposed to be the strength of their team. But I was very impressed, by the way, Brian Hoyer, who just kind of shook off the, the fact of looking over his shoulder and the Johnny package, the talk of Manziel, uh, if he failed to do what he was supposed to do, I like the way Petten stuck with him, and Brian got into that up tempo, uh, you know, no huddle rhythm, and they really ran the ball right down the Steelers' throats. And I was impressed by the running, the hard running of the rookies, uh, Isaiah Crowell and Terrence West, obviously with 100 yards, uh, that really kind of opened up that play action game. And Andrew Hawkins jumped out and uh, had a nice touchdown, and and really, you know, stood up. Uh, with their you know team high in catches, so um, you know they don't have guys in terms of Jordan Cameron being banged up and Tate now, uh, but I like the way they were resilient and um, I like the way they came back. And as Mike Patton said so well, it's a pass fail league. We didn't you know pass, but I got to give them a lot of points for uh, for being game. And I think they're going to be jacked up. And I think I do think we will see that Johnny package. I just think it's something they're keeping up their sleeve for the right time to give him a spark in the right situation. And I think Patton's being careful in terms of how he's managing Hoyer, uh, his confidence. But I think Hoyer ultimately is fine with the fact if they use Johnny in some degree to help spark the offense, they're in dire need of playmakers. That would be a smart move on his part, that's for sure. Hey, uh, Jim, there's rumblings this morning, of course, that the NFL may announce their new drug policy later today. Uh, which would have implications only for Wes Welker, but obviously for the game we're talking about and Josh Gordon. Is is there any way that Gordon plays this weekend, or is that still down the road? I think uh, Josh will still be uh, in his primary job selling cars right now uh, for at least nine more weeks or eight more weeks or whatever it's going to be. Uh, you hear chance that he might get back for half a season or whatever, but uh, – you know, that one I think is the more questionable one. I would be surprised and shocked to see him out there on Sunday, um, although the you know Browns would you know welcome that and embrace him and throw him out there uh, based on what he was doing um, you know during training camp until 
he had some difficulties in the preseason with concentration and lapses and dropping dropping the ball. But um, they need a boost in the worst way. And just even if the fact if he's reinstated for eight games, that gives them some hope. So that would give him a boost. Uh, I just don't expect to see him Sunday, and I, I doubt you'll see Welker. But I just don't know all the details in terms of that. And that, I think that still has to be ironed out. I, I am looking forward to seeing you uh, on Sunday, Jim. And I'm also looking forward to 62 degrees and sunny skies for a one Eastern yeah, kickoff. Yeah, I like uh, West Virginia. Yes, it will. It would be great. Hey, Jim, always appreciate it. I know you're slam busy all the time with USA Today, but we'll look for you this weekend, of course, at the Saints-Browns uh, game. And as always, we appreciate your insight on the program. Sean, thanks for having me. I look forward to seeing you. All right, Jim Corbett from USA Today. When we come back, we'll take you inside the Saints locker room after this quick timeout. Fans cheer on your Pelicans as they play their final preseason game against the Dallas Mavericks at the CenturyLink Center in Bossier City on Thursday, October 23rd. Prices start at just $9 from www.ticketmaster.com. While in town, enjoy the opening weekend of the State Fair of Louisiana, our numerous casinos, including the world-famous Horseshoe Casino, and Hotel. Check out hotel packages for the game and other things to do at shreveport bossierorg or call 888-45-VISIT. Smoothie King asks, what's your purpose? My name is Trish, and I want more balance in my life. I feel like all I do is rush from one place to the next and end up grabbing a burger along the way. And then I feel guilty, and I start thinking, I need to spend an hour on the elliptical, but I don't have time. I want to eat better. I want to feel better. That's my purpose. We can blend that. Find your balance with the new Greek yogurt smoothies naturally powered by Chobani. Find pleasure in your purpose at Smoothie King. We call it No Appointment Radio. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Okay, as promised, let's take you inside the Saints locker room. We did that yesterday after practice and had a chance to speak with wide receiver Kenny Stills. Hadn't really had a chance to check in on Kenny. He's been on the shelf really almost since the start of training camp, but apparently is getting very close to uh, rejoining the fold here with the black and gold. This is Kenny Stills uh, in the Saints locker room yesterday after practice. Kenny, I have to say you're looking more and more like yourself out there now. You must be feeling better. Yep, feeling a lot better. Um, just been working on, you know, getting the stamina and the strength back there. And um, so now it's kind of just a uh, waiting process to see if, you know, when coach is going to be ready to throw me back out there. Did you think that it would be this prolonged as far as when, you know, if you went back to when you first started this with that quad, did you think we'd be sitting here on the 11th of September still talking about it? No, not at all. Um, you know, it's just one of those things. It's a learning experience for me, and, um, you know, I definitely thought it was going to be, you know, a week or two, and I'd be back out there with the guys. And so it's been pretty frustrating, and I've learned a lot from this process, and just want to put it behind me and get back out there. What have you learned? Because I think most people are familiar with, like, hamstrings being the nagging injury, but what have you learned about this? Just to be patient. Um, you know, and, and my quad does so much, and I'm a quad-dominant runner, and so, you know, and I'm getting in and out of my breaks especially, you know, dropping my hips and, and the quickness that I'm trying to do it. You know, my, I need my quad. And so um, that's what the focus has been. You know, I can open up and run and I can get down the field, but making sure at the top of my routes I can get in out of my breaks and, and make sure I'm, I'm keeping that separation between the ball and the defender. Mm-hmm. I think maybe even as, as, late, you know, as late as last week, you were going almost every other day. This week I noticed, I noticed today I said to John DeShazer, I said, Hey, I think this is back-to-back days for Kenny for the first time in a long time. Yeah, yeah, no, and I'm definitely excited about it. And so 
like I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. And, you know, when coach feels like it, it's time for me to be out there, then I'll be back out there. Have you been cleared? I mean, is, is, it, is it whatever you want to do now, or do you still have to be somewhat cautious here? No, I definitely am I'm still being cautious about it just because it's it's one of those things you can feel good one day and it, it could still pull on you. And so I'm definitely still cautious about it, but I'm cleared to go. And um, like I said, I'm working my way back into it. Do you think you have a shot to play this weekend at Cleveland? I hope so. Yeah, um, I really hope so. But, you know, my, my fingers are crossed, but you never know. And, um, you know, I don't really make those decisions. So hopefully so. Let's just say it is this weekend. Will it, will it be one of those deals and until you get into the game, will you know how close you are to the shape you want to be in? I mean, let's be honest, you haven't been able to, to do what you want to do for a while now. Right, yeah, I know. Game shape is something that's different. And I, I mean, even think, you know, last week for our guys, even though the guys that went through the preseason and practice every day, I still think they're still getting used to game shape. So I'm, I'm a little, you know, ways behind, and I know that. So I'll be out there pushing myself to make sure I'm ready when it's time. I love watching guys in their first year just to see just to see what they can do. You know, what, what translated from their college days to their pro days. And then I'm almost as intrigued to see guys go from year one to year two. Um, how would you say you think you're going to be different in year two than, than year one? I just... I think the most important thing in this offense is obviously being on the same page with Drew and knowing his timing and what zones to be in and what time to be there. And so I think I'm definitely on the same page with Drew now and I'm a lot more comfortable just with everything going on in the offense. And and so, um, like like you said, I just want to get out there and see what type of improvements I can make on those little minor mistakes I was making last year and and uh, hopefully you know make some more big plays for this team. You, you, you've seen the scouting reports at this level. It seems everybody's got something on everybody. What do you think? What do you think teams have on Kenny Stills now? What do you think the scouting report on '84 reads like? I honestly couldn't tell you. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff that I did last year was, um, you know, going down the field, and um, I honestly pride myself on being able to do the short, you know, intermediate routes and stuff too. So um, I think they they're really. I mean, they won't know until they see it as well, and, and that's kind of a good thing for me. There's such a difference though in in that route that stretches the field and that route where you could get your clock clean going over the middle now. I mean, how do you how do you uh, get yourself, your mind right for that kind of, a, of an experience? I mean, we've always just been told, uh, if you're going to get hit like that, you might as well catch the ball. So, uh, you know, my dad played safety, and I, I watched him, you know, hit guys for a while. And, and I know not too many of them like the contact either. So their eyes are closed in half of the pictures you see. So we just got to go out there and make the play and, and know that uh, you're going to be remembered for, you know, making that play and having courage and, and showing that you're, you know, not a soft receiver. You want to go out there and be strong and, and uh, put your body on the line for the team. Interesting. Their eyes are closed too sometimes. Yeah. Ours have to be open to make right. that catch, but you get pictures of those guys and their eyes are closed. We have one actually in our receiver room in the corner of the DB's eyes are closed and Meech's eyes are on the ball and so um, I think they're they're sometimes scared too. Whether it be last year or maybe even your days at Oklahoma is there a guy that hits you so bad that you still to this day think about it? Um, yeah on the screen on the screen one of our um, he was scout team at the time but he's starting now Jordan Phillips at um, at Oklahoma caught me from behind, well, actually from behind and the side. It hit me pretty good. And um, just when those big guys land on you, it's a lot different than, than anything. I'm, I'm okay with the head-to-head contact, but when a you know 325-pound guy lands on you, it's not, not very fun. Well, I think that's with anybody, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Give me a little bit about the Browns. We've been hearing about the investment they've made in their defensive secondary, both through the draft and, and spending some money, too. So... I'm, I'm curious from a from a wide receiver standpoint how you read that unit on that side of the ball for Cleveland. Yeah, no, they've um, 
they've got a great secondary. They've got a great front seven. I think overall their defense, um, you know, they're they're doing a great job, and and um, the stats show that from last year. And like you said, the the money that they're putting into these guys, it shows that. And so uh, they're a very respectable group, and I think we have a very very good receiving core, and um, we like the challenge. And so you know, I feel like the guys are putting in the work this week, and and um, you know, we expect a lot out of ourselves. So we're going to go out there and play our tails off. I think the term shutdown corner may be getting thrown around just a little bit too much. I think it applied to some guys over over the years and you know, obviously with your dad being a defensive back, if you were to say what makes a shutdown corner now in this day and age, what would it be? Is it is it somebody who can jam you up the line? Is it somebody who's always on your hip or what what would it be? I think the the shutdown corners are made by the <laughs> really by the rest of their team you know the front seven um, you know if you look at last year what Richard Sherman did he's he's a great corner and it's no disrespect to him at all but you know his front seven they're putting a lot of pressure on the quarterback and and um, you know they're not having to cover for right. as long of time yeah. and so um, you know I think obviously he's done a great job and he's one of the best corners out there but it helps when the rest of your team and the rest of the defense helps you out and so um, that's really what I think about. When I think about a shutdown corner, it's somebody who's, who's got a great defense, but also, obviously, as an individual, he's got great cover skills, great ball skills, and uh, you know he's smart. He knows what's coming at him. Who on this team makes you better as a wide receiver that you have to go up against, uh, you know, daily? I guess all of our guys. Yeah. Um, you know, I loved when Champ was here, getting to work with Champ and being able to pick his brain. Um, but Keenan, Keenan, and having Kenny out there at safety when I'm in the slot. Um, all of our guys are great, and um, that's what's fun about practice. You know, now it's a little bit different because you know we're going against the scout team and we're getting different looks. But um, you know, during training camp last year, um, just working with Keenan and asking him and picking his brain, you know, what little things he sees and that you know I can learn from and improve on. And so um, I just gotta you know kind of pick up to speed on that and be able to get out there now and and just learn every week and continue to improve. Along those lines, I'm going to switch gears on you just a little bit here. When Dave Duncan was the pitching coach for the St. Louis Cardinals, mm -hmm. one thing their pitching staff used to do was when a guy had a bullpen session on his, you know, in between starts, the whole pitching staff would go down and watch him throw and try and pick up on his tells or whether he was tipping his pitches or not. Do you guys do something similar as far as can wide receivers have, have a tell or a giveaway as to what their favorite move is or where they're going and and can you all help each other fix those things? Yeah, you know, um, just like we were talking about earlier, getting in and out of your breaks. Yeah. You know, some guys raise up when they're about to break or, um, you know, so there's different things you can do with your body language to give away, you know, route, you know, when you're going to break out of a route or break in in a route. And so, um, you know, we watch the little details on that stuff. We've got great camera angles. Um, you know, in camp, obviously, we get a good camera right behind the guys that are running one-on-one, -on -one, so you can see those little details and try to change them up. That way you're not giving any signals to the defensive back and, and telling them, you know, what you're doing. I love when I do an interview and I walk away having learned something, and that's certainly the case today. Hey, good luck. I hope to see you this weekend. I know you want to be out there this weekend. Yes, thank you. I appreciate yeah, it. No problem. Kenny Stills with us here on the Black and Blue Report. <laughs> we'll be right back in just a moment. I know Kenny wants to play Sunday. I think that Saints fans are ready for him to get out there as well. We'll see how it goes. We'll see what Coach decides for this weekend's game against the Cleveland Browns. When we come back, we'll turn our attention to basketball and welcome in Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com. Talk some hoops here on this Friday in just a moment.
Pelicans head coach Monty Williams, Anthony Davis, and your Pelicans have been working throughout the offseason to take this team to the next level. Individual game tickets for the 2014-15 season are on sale now. Make sure to score your tickets early to check out the biggest matchups and see the biggest stars of the NBA. The best seats for premier games are going to go fast. Visit pelicans.com and take flight with your Pelicans today. In New Orleans, food is more than a passion, it's a tradition. And Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. Want to mix in a little basketball, Pelicans talk, Team USA, what have you here on this Friday as we uh, kind of wrap up the week on Black and Blue Report. Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com graciously joins us here in Studio B. I say graciously because you're a busy man this week. I know the season hasn't started, but you've, you've had a few things on your plate. Yeah, yesterday actually kind of felt like the regular season just with having the the workouts and a bunch of media availabilities with four different players, assistant coach. And obviously the USA game was at 2 o'clock yesterday. So, yeah, it, it did kind of feel a little bit like we're back in the swing of things yesterday. So, yeah, you looked at me kind of screwy when I said that. <laughs> and all you had to do was just think about yesterday for a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, the uh, a lot of the guys have been in for voluntary workouts over at the Pelicans practice facility. And yesterday there was a media session after those workouts. I wouldn't call it practice per se. Um, but what did you take away? I mean, what were your takeaways yesterday after kind of having – a somewhat formal visit with several of those guys. Well, I mean, the last few years there's there's been a group of guys that have gotten here pretty early, but one of the things that struck me is just the fact that a lot of these guys have been here for a few weeks is pretty pretty rare and pretty unique. I mean, there's a there's a few changes on the roster this year, obviously not as many as maybe the, the previous couple of years, but I think it's been great for a lot of the new guys, you know, such as Russ Smith and Patrick Young. This is their first NBA experience to have to see all of the guys that are willing to get here so early and do a lot of extra stuff that they don't have to do. They don't have to report here officially until, say, September 27th or September 28th. So the fact that there's been guys here since mid-August, I think, is is a really good sign. And I think just listening to the guys yesterday, if you go to pelicans.com and watch the videos, you can just see the enthusiasm and the excitement that the guys have for the season. I think after what happened last year, which was such a frustrating year with all the injuries, um, they're just excited to get back out on the court and, and just looking forward to, you know, having a healthy team and to see what they can do with, with a, with a, with a full squad this time. We had Ryan Anderson in here in studio B. Well, it's probably been, what, two weeks ago maybe now. Yeah. Um, and at the time he said that it would probably be end of September, right in front of training camp, that he would get cleared for full contact. Now, did I catch on Twitter this week? Didn't he say he's been cleared now and he's ready to go? Yeah, he did say that he's been cleared. I think what uh, Coach Ayers, Randy Ayers, was saying yesterday was that they're still um, kind of monitoring him and making sure that he's not playing maybe full bore all, you know, for – I think they said he, he said that they're limiting the number of games that he can play in. But I think he is back, you know, playing. He is. He's been cleared for contact, and so I'm, it's just the next step on his 
way to being ready for the season. Yeah, and I guess for folks who are wondering what what's the difference between what he's been doing in full contact, I mean, really, we're talking about five on five at this point. Right. Right. Okay. Uh, by the way, I've been over there a couple of times, and he's shooting lights out. I mean, it's pretty crazy <laughs> how good he's been shooting after the layoff he had. Uh, Drew Holiday as well. I think that the the other piece of good news that I guess I gleaned from yesterday is that even Drew said that, you know, I'm not limited in any way at this point. Yeah, he uh, he mentioned that he just started playing five-on-five five in the last couple of days. I think even maybe yesterday might have been the first day that he was back playing five-on-five. Five. So, I mean, it's just been good to see. Obviously, there were s- several unfortunate season-ending injuries last year. And so to have these guys back at this point and hopefully – be ready and they're clo- a lot of these guys are close to 100% and we still have a few more weeks to go before we get into training camp practices so I mean it's it's just um, a lot of good signs right now. Jim I can offer from pelicans.com here with us on the black and blue report I don't want to drag you into a, uh, a spot where you can't talk about something but uh, have the pelicans talked about or I guess officially said Anything about the guys that they intend to bring in for training camp? Training camp invites, I guess? I don't think anything officially has been announced yet. I would think that we'll probably be hearing that pretty soon, like within the next week or so, maybe, a week okay. or two. Yeah, Deontay so. Christmas's name was thrown out there. There was a couple others, but we'll we'll wait to see sure. on that. Sure, Well, Spain loses at the FIBA World Cup, which I think disappointed a lot of folks, including some members of Team USA's roster, including Kenneth Fareed, um, which was interesting. Uh, this is the. I guess this is probably the one twist that none of us expected going into the final weekend of play here uh, in Spain. But uh, the good news is this: is that Team USA has taken care of its business, has overcome the doubters uh, that said that they would struggle without some of the bigger pieces in the NBA on that roster. Yeah. And they will play for a. I guess a. You can't say a gold medal. They'll play for the World Cup trophy on on Sunday um, afternoon. As a matter of fact. Yeah, I mean. To me, it, what's happened at the World Cup has kind of reinforced again what we kind of already know about sports, that you you can talk about what you think is going to happen all day long, but then w- when the games are played, it, it's it's been a completely different scenario. I thought, I think it was it was pretty reasonable to think that they would play Spain, and it was pretty reasonable to think that they would have a lot of game, a few games before they played Spain where they were tested and there were some anxious moments. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, the thing that surprised me the most for sure is just that in every single game, either they were ahead right off the bat and you never thought for a second there was any chance of an upset or it was semi-close at halftime and then in the third quarter they'd go on like a 16-2 run or whatever it was and just put it out of reach. So I've been real surprised, especially like with what you said about all the guys that they lost for various reasons – that they still haven't had a single game that they've um, won by fewer than 20 points. So I mean, it's been, it's been uh, from afar. It's it seems like it's been a pretty easy path. But I mean, they've played really well, and it's it's also a credit, I think, to Coach K and what they've done with the program that they've they've uh, gotten to the point now where they're all the way to the championship game and haven't been tested. It, you could you couldn't say that about a lot of the past teams over the last you know, 15 or 20 years. They've played sound basketball. They've gelled, which kind of surprised me a little bit. Um, it's hard when you take a list of all-stars and about-to-be all-stars and throw them together for a month or two. And and so that's been impressive. And, and of course, you know, it, you can't help but smile at all the coverage that Anthony Davis has received. Mm-hmm. And, and probably a lot of folks that 
are now finding out what we kind of discovered last year in his second year in the NBA, what what he's become as a player and what he could eventually be. I know there's one more game, Jim, but you know when you when you look at the way that Davis has played at the FIBA World Cup, um, is it the stats? Is it his confidence? What is it that I guess I don't want to say intrigues you most? Uh, what, what am I trying to say here? What what, what would you say is is um, the thing that shows you that Davis is is evolving into now what will be his soon to be third NBA season? I think some of it that has impressed me is that he he contributes a ton regardless of how involved they have him in the in the scheme. They've had games where they've gone to him and he's put up a lot of points offensively. They've had games where they, as Fran Fraschilla, who's been calling all the games, has mentioned, they, they've kind of not ignored him, but they haven't run anything through him, and he still ends up with games where he has 15 points, eight rebounds, a few blocks. So... I mean, just just the fact that he's he's able to make an imprint on the game in any situation, especially when you're talking about his all of his teammates are elite players. I mean, I think that's one of the things that I've noticed the most is just that he's been able to 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 do that. But um, I thought it was interesting yesterday listening to the Pelicans players because a lot of them were asked about how. You know what? What are your what's your impression of Anthony Davis? What do you, what are you most surprised by about the way that he's played at the World Cup? And I think a lot of them said, "I'm we're not surprised at all because all he's doing is the same thing that he did last year in March and April when he had that stretch where he averaged like 32 points, 15 rebounds, three blocks a game. Obviously, he's not going to put up those kind of numbers in in FIBA, but mostly because his minutes are the game's shorter, but his minutes right. is also are shorter. So, but it's been impressive that in the minutes that he plays, what he's been able to, to produce and how much he can contribute. Well, I hope he gets some rest after the weekend before training camp starts at the end of the month. That, that, I think that's key, and uh, certainly I don't think there's any need to rush back and play pickup basketball anytime soon for Anthony Davis after what he's put himself through this offseason. So sure. that's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, what do you got brewing on pelicans.com? Anything in, in, the, in the works here? Well, I mean, there's, there's going to be a lot of things coming from – what we what happened yesterday with there was five different interviews which is pretty cool to get in um a time of the season a time of the year where you, you know you don't usually have a lot of um stuff going on so um I'm writing something today about Drew Holiday about his his status um obviously the weekend uh, the USA game is on Sunday and then into next week will it'll be more um just coverage of of um updates on some of the players that have been here for uh, voluntary workouts very good. Jim offer with us from Pelicans.com, where you can also, I think, get more information now on individual game ticket sales. I think that's now underway. Yes, those are those are available on the site right now. Okay, or you can always pick up the phone like I used to do, or still do, the old-fashioned way. 525-HOOP <laughs> is the number to call. That's so old school, but it, that works too. Jim, I'm old. It's just that old school goes with old. Everybody's, I love when young people say I'm old school. No, you don't. You, you weren't even in school when I was in school. You weren't even born yet when I was in school. Anyway, if you want to go old school, it's five zero four five two five hoop. If you, uh, well, if you're up to date, then it's Pelicans.com, probably the best way to go. So check that out. The schedule is there. You can match up your schedule and the Pelican schedule, and get in on the best seats and the best games right away. Camp is right around the corner. Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com with us. Back to wrap up the Friday edition of Black and Blue Report in just a moment. At the Auctioner Hospital for Children, 
No matter where you turn, you're surrounded by bravery. Children and teens dealing with health problems beyond their years. Parents working hard to keep the worry from their face. Doctors and nurses doing everything possible to get them back home where they belong. From rare brain tumors and leukemia to heart conditions and organ transplants, we offer a level of pediatric care unmatched in Louisiana. With more advanced capabilities than any other children's hospital in the region, even our kids-only ER can handle any pediatric emergency. In fact, the only thing tougher than the problems we see every day are the kids themselves. Choose the Auctioner Hospital for Children and never wonder if you could have done more. Call 866-AUCTIONER to find an affiliated pediatrician near you. Auctioner. Healthcare with peace of mind. Pelicans.com and NewOrleansSaints.com. Your first stop when following your teams. It's come to the beat of that time. Time to kind of put a wrap not only on the Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report, but this uh, this week as well here from Studio B. A couple of notes for you before we get out of here on this Friday, and this pertains, of course, to the Saints-Browns game on Sunday. Keep this in mind. I know everybody's ready to see the black and gold at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, and it's. Uh, I know there were two preseason home games, but still, you know, it's not the same. Uh, keep this in mind. This is only the fourth time in franchise history have the Saints uh, starting the season with two straight road games. So this is somewhat rare, and this will make us uh, want that game against the Vikings at the Dome next week all the more. Uh, we mentioned earlier in the broadcast that Sean Payton's first win as a head coach was against the Browns in Cleveland at First Energy Stadium. Saints won that game 19-14, to and that was the 06 season. And ironically enough, uh, Mike Pettin, the uh, new head coach for the Cleveland Browns, is seeking his first win ever as a head coach at that stadium and ironically against the Saints. We'll uh, hope that he finds that victory somewhere else down the road as well. Hey, Brian Hoyer, don't forget, was uh, 19 of 31 last week, 10 of 15 in the second half. And will we have to uh, prepare uh, for Johnny Manziel's pro debut on Sunday? John and I will preview that and a whole lot more on NewOrleansSaints.com from the sidelines at First Energy Stadium on Sunday morning. That'll be our pregame report. And then our game day coverage on NewOrleansSaints.com continues throughout the game and finishes up with locker room interviews and a post-game wrap with J.D. and myself as well. Uh, look for J.D.'s five things to watch for this weekend on NewOrleansSaints.com and a whole lot more, including a wrap-up of the Friday festivities here at Airline Drive. All that is yours on the website. And as Jim Eichenhofer mentioned on the basketball side, don't forget that uh, Pelicans' individual game tickets are now on sale. Pelicans.com or the phone, 504-525-HOOP. And uh, one last thing, I think there's still time today if you want to get in on the uh, Moms Clinic on Monday with the New Orleans Saints. Mickey Loomis and Sean Payton scheduled to speak at that safety clinic for football moms on Monday. Uh, all the details, again, can be found at NewOrleansSaints.com. Our thanks to Fred Ruckert this week. He's been in here helping in Studio B with Daniel Salerson out. And so thanks to Fred. We wish him a good weekend. We wish the same for all of you. Hopefully you stay dry and what could be kind of a rainy weekend here in the Gulf South. For those of you traveling to Cleveland, be safe and enjoy the fall weather up there. I'm Sean Kelly, and we'll see you this weekend on NewOrleansSaints.com and then right back here next week for more of the Black and Blue Report. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. 
If all goes well, we'll be back next week. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.